and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hi folks, Simon Hazeldean, Graham Jones and Mr. Phil Jessen here for another episode of the saleschatshow.com, Sales Chat Show, driving your sales success. And in this episode, we are talking about someone who I describe as my favourite Italian. Who is my favourite Italian? The gentleman who over the years has made me an awful lot of money, Mr. Vilfredo Pareto and Mr. Jessen is a fellow fan of Mr. Vilfredo Pareto. Phil, over to you. Fill us in on our good friend Vilfredo. Yes, well, I, the first thing I can confirm is that he is not the new Chelsea manager. <laughs> the uh, second thing I can confirm um, is that, yes, you're right, he's an Italian gentleman from 1801 and he was an economist. And as you probably know, and as our listeners probably know, uh, he did a lot of uh, work uh, studying where the wealth lay in various countries within Europe. And surprise, Mm. surprise, 80% of the wealth uh, in 20% of the countries, 80% of the wealth in 20% of the individuals within those countries. Um, He himself never used the phrase um, 80-20, and he himself never used the phrase Pareto Principle. He wouldn't. He was Italian. He would speak in another language. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, Jones. So, what actually happened, um, as you may know, is that after the Second World War and part of the rebuilding programs in Japan and Germany, it was the quality gurus, the likes of Deeming and Duran, who coined the phrase Pareto Principle or 80-20, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and today, uh, for reasons that nobody really knows why it exists, it's just become uh, one of those fascinating uh, laws of life. For example, Graham, I can guarantee that for 80% of the time you will listen to 20% of your CDs or the music that you've got filed away somewhere. In your case, Simon, 80% of the time I can guarantee you will walk on 20% of your carpets. Uh, That, incidentally, uh, is a statistic that prompted the growth of the carpet tile industry, as you may know. So, that's really a potted history on the background, but the big issue that our listeners will want to uh, uh, hear about uh, is not my ramblings about Mr Pareto uh, and how he rose to fame, but in the world today of sales and sales management, um, where does that Pareto principle apply? Where should it apply? Um, does it matter? Um, I think that's the point that uh, yeah. uh, we really yeah. need to be convincing our listeners about. So who has any comments they'd like to make about uh, where we could or should see evidence of that principle in sales I today? I suppose I, I ought to back up my why he's my favourite Italian. I mean, since I was introduced to the concept by a very good sales manager as a very young salesperson, and I remember this sort of flash of sort of eureka moment where he sort of was saying, so who are your most important customers and where is most of your business coming from? And I 
oh, I think it's this one. He said, okay, where's most of your margin coming from? And getting you to think about and working out actually that you only actually have to cover a relatively small number of customers well in order to get the majority of the results you want as a salesperson. So I suppose got to be he wasn't advising me to be lazy. He was advising me to be smart and working out who your absolute big most important customers are. As I was guided by him, um, find out who your most important ones are, where most of your profit comes from, and look after them really well. They are your retention targets. My experience on that is that companies, salespeople, sales managers, don't do that. No, they don't. They know where the turnover comes from, Yeah, but they don't actually know where 80% of the margin comes from. I think that's a yeah. very yeah. simple but very important point that you've made there. Because there could, there could be a lot of revenue and a very low margin, they're, yeah. not, they're not in. And then he said to me, and where are customers where we have a low percentage of their share of wallet? But they, they're the other way around. There are your competitors, 20% customers delivering the 80%. He said, they're your obvious attack customers. And then spend your time, spend your time there. So I thought that's a really, you know, and, and ever since then, I was just lucky to have that imprinted into me almost. And when I became a sales manager myself, you do the same thing with your sales team. Who's making most of the sales? Why are they making most of the sales? who's actually very busy but not being very successful and why territory management, territory planning, key account management, selling into large retail chains, you know, one stock keeping, one particular stock keeping unit, at 87% of margin, you just have to get your forecast right on that one item and you're pretty much home and you're pretty much home and dry. I think people know it, there's a difference between knowing it and everyone says yeah yeah 80-20 but do they do it? No. Do they dig? And no, I think, is, is the answer normally. I think what they probably do know is that 80% of their hassle comes from 20% of their yes. customers. Yes. And so it's those negative things that they probably see more because they're getting people asking awkward questions, they're getting people making demands that are unnecessary. And the, who are those 20% of people causing you the hassle? are those people actually the people giving you the most money because it might be a different 20% yeah. and so yeah. are, are, the, are your top margin earners in that 20% of hassle people as well Yeah. so you need to need to work that out really don't you, you I mean a high know. maintenance low margin customer yeah, might not be profitable at all Why? and also your salesperson is spending half a day a week looking after really high maintenance clients that's half a day a week they're not spending on prospecting higher value clients now that's a tough call and a brave call for most organizations to make mm. is to sack a client yeah. um, but it might be the thing they absolutely they absolutely have to do yeah, yeah. a couple of other areas then i think where the 80 20 principle applies many of our listeners and our good selves will from time to time draw up the good old things to do list uh, and i think if mr pareto was here today he would say haha uh, 20% of the items on that things to do list will make 80% of the difference. Yeah. So get out the highlight pen and decide at the front of the day, 8 o'clock or whatever, uh, which are the 20% of the items that are actually going to make a significant difference rather than, and we've covered this before in a previous episode, rather than just going through the list or even worse than that, just going for the easy items mm -hmm. on the list. Um, 
one way of, one way of looking at that differently is uh, a technique that some people use, which is to not write a to-do list at all, but to write a list of not to do. Yes. And so what you do is you write all the things that you do not have to do today. And then immediately you've eliminated them from your brain. You've kind of said, okay, I don't need to do that today, forget it. I don't need to do that today, forget it. Which leaves you with your 20% of things that you do have to do. Mm. So you've kind of eliminated that 80% already mm. by writing down what not to do. Yeah. And that gets in your brain, I can forget all of those, which means what everything's left, which will be the 20%, they're the things you need to get on with. The yeah. great American speaker, Brian Tracy, I remember listening to some of his, and he, uh, one of the questions he used to used to say is, that you should ask is, what is the most important use of my time right now? Mm. Which is the point about what's the useful, absolute must-do activity. And, you know, sometimes you do get seduced. I'm very busy because I've got 15 things on my list. Well, if the 80-20 principle holds true, it's only really going to be the top two or three that are going to be worth doing anyway. And as sales managers, as sales leaders in the business, listeners, please, by your own behaviour, don't drive your salespeople to be very busy at the thin end yeah. of their activity. Yeah. You know, because some reports are just should be just killed off. Mm. You know, you only need to measure again. What are the key sales metrics you need your people to to do and mm. to measure, and make sure they're focused. You know, lead and lag indicators. Lag being the sales they get. What are the most important lead indicators? There's a 20% of sales activity delivers the results. Nothing must get in the way of that. If it's prospecting or whatever it is, nothing must be allowed to get in the way mm. of that. And, and sales managers and sales directors, sometimes you're going to have to take a brave decision to let your people not do something. Mm. Prioritisation is not about what you're going to do in the order. Sometimes it's about what you're, to Graham's point, Graham's point, point wasn't it? Do. Yeah. Yeah. Look, looking at unnecessary data, I think, is a, a real... 80% of stuff that people do that is yeah. unnecessary. Um, I was with a new client recently who uh, told me that every month, uh, the, so this is a medium-sized manufacturing company turning over about 100 million, and uh, they were proud to tell me that every month, on a, the last Friday of the month, the board directors met with their web team uh, who brought in the analytics for the month and they spent three hours on that Friday afternoon going through all the details of the web analytics. And I said, that's very interesting. Um, so how many people are in the room then? And they said, well, there's, you know, there's the chief executive, there's the finance director, there's the marketing director, there's the sales director, there's the HR director, and, you know, two other directors, there's seven directors, all of whom are earning you know, at least you know, several tens of thousands, hundreds mm. of thousands between them. Uh, so I said, how, how much is that an hour? For each of you and we worked it out there were several thousands of pounds being spent just in their time uh, then they were paying the web agency who were coming in to do this a fee to deliver this every month that worked out to be about twenty-five thousand pounds for the year on their fees um, and so this meeting that was happening every month was costing the business several hundred thousand pounds over the year and i said and how much profit does that meeting generate then i said what do you mean I said, well, what's your return on analysing all that data? I don't know. Well, in which case, it's probably a good idea to stop the meeting then, isn't it? Because even if you, ho even if you did nothing else but stop that meeting, you'll be £200,000 better off. And the chief executive looked at me and went, blimey, you're right. Because what they're doing is they're, they're looking at data for the sake of data's sake. Because, yes. because the internet can collect data, people think, oh, we'd better analyse it. 
And what they're doing is they're spending a lot of time, 80% of their time, analysing loads of data that's unnecessary. And their web company's not going to dissuade them from spending three hours every month in analysing the data. And the web company can produce another tonne of reports as well. But I think another interesting angle on data, whether it's on the screen or whether it's a hard copy, is that I think we should encourage our listeners to read the data with a highlight pen in hand. Because if you have a highlight pen in hand, or on the screen as it were, you're more likely to go looking for that low number of important issues rather than just set off reading text to get three pages in and realise you haven't actually absorbed any of it. So the highlight pen will encourage us to go looking for the nuggets that actually mean something. And it's maximising your salespeople's time on their highest gain activities yeah. is the purpose of But the I think it also applies to customers and the customer yeah. offering. Uh, I think it would be fair to say that um, 80% of the value that customers receive comes from 20% uh, of what they're sold, in a sense. So yeah. do we really know which part of our product or service offering is creating the most value? The answer normally is no, we don't, because not enough research takes place with the customer to actually find that out. We're great ones for adding new widgets and uh, features to the product or the service, but they're not necessarily of value to the uh, customer. But also, sorry Graham, feeding that back into the business would therefore inform what you do with your product development, should also inform your value proposition. Of, to the customer, so you can actually have a very succinct, tight value proposition. There's the twenty percent that delivers the eighty percent value perception for the customer, yeah. and then just don't talk about the other. Yeah. Just don't bother. Makes your sales presentation, yeah. proposition, proposal or very maybe, tight and relevant. Or maybe on a screen it becomes a read more. Yes, as opposed yeah. to the real gem, yeah. highlighted in bold on the screen. That's the bit yeah. that represents our twenty percent. So not knowing the twenty percent of what the real value is to your customer is so common. I uh, remember talking to somebody who'd done some research um, amongst, I think it was about the top 50 brands in the world. And what this research was, they went into the brands and they asked the brands to tell them what were the top reasons that people bought their products. So, uh, you know, and these were, you know, their top brands, so they weren't talking about features, they were talking about benefits, so they knew these were the reasons that people bought the products and services that they were providing. What the people in the business didn't know was that the researchers were going out and speaking to their customers and asking them what were the reasons that you buy this product. And there was, in, the, in all of these um, companies, there was a complete mismatch. The mismatch was about 95% difference. So that the company was saying, these are the reasons people buy our products. And their customers were saying, no, it's none of those. These are the reasons why we buy your products. Completely different set of reasons. So what it shows is that actually companies still don't know why people buy their stuff because they don't talk to them enough. No. They, don't, they don't get enough research, as you say, exactly. to find out what, it, what is that 20% of nuggets that yeah. they're really after. Yeah, that, that, I think, is a classic mm. business application of the Pareto principle. I think also with sort of newer products, technology and MPD, is I think so <coughs> Excuse me. sometimes the reason customers are buying has become to some people inside your organisation a bit boring and mundane and they're just looking for new exciting things yeah. to make their life more. So the customer says no, I just want that <coughs> and yeah. if the customer just wants that 
And that's great. I yeah. guess in your um, internet world, you'll be telling us, Graham, that um, for 80% of the time, customers are only looking at 20% of the web pages. Would that also be true or no, not? That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. So You're now going to tell me that Pareto was wrong. I'm not going to tell he you. he was talking through his... That Pareto was talking in the days pre-internet. And in the days <laughs> pre-internet and in the offline world, the 80-20 rule does apply. But online, it's more like the 99-1 rule. So that when we look at what people look at on a web page, they look at 1% of it when they land on the page. Quickly glance, if they haven't seen in that 1% what they want, they've disappeared. They don't bother with the rest. They're just focusing on tiny things. Uh, also, if we think about how successful businesses are on the web, there's 1% of the businesses on the web have got 99% of the business. So tiny numbers. So you just think of, you know, there's billions traded on the internet, sold on the internet, but actually those billions and billions and billions that are sold online still only represent about 5 or 6% of all sales. So most sales don't happen on the internet, most sales happen in the real world. So those of all those billions and billions and billions that are traded on the internet, can you name more than 10 companies that have all those billions together? You probably mm -hmm. can't. Cause so, and yet there are 900 and something million websites many of which trying to sell stuff, hundreds of millions trying to sell stuff, and actually most of the sales on the internet are going through about six companies. Mm. So actually, the 80-20 the rule doesn't apply online. It's much more, a, you know, it's probably a 99.9.1% rule on the internet. So mm. it's, it's really sharpened that focus that we still need to know what is it that those 1% are doing, and how can we do that and to better ourselves. It's interesting you say that about the um, about the internet. Just as a sort of an, an aside, um, I've been listening to some um, recordings recently, interviews with some really great copywriting masters. You know, the people who who do the direct response advertising, like Brian Keefoyles, Carl Galletti, Eugene Schwartz, Ted Nicholas, like top end copywriters. And in, and they all talk about pretty much the same thing. I'm paraphrasing them dreadfully here, but they will spend eighty percent of their time on the headline, yep. which is the first. The first hook, and you know Brian Keith Voyles talks about writing two hundred headlines in order to select the one yeah. headline. He understands that if they don't read the headline, they don't read the opening body copy paragraph. Yeah. They don't they don't read the subheadings and they don't go in. So it's the classic. These guys understand the Pareto principle there, and that would have a lot of applications to online marketing, online sales, email subject lines, for example. Yeah that you need to think about what you say to get the customer to even look at the email? If you, if you look at those sort of national things. newspapers, so you look at a tabloid newspaper, a tabloid newspaper will usually employ a couple of people whose sole job is to write the front page headline because even today, with newspaper sales falling, but even today that front page headline is responsible for about 10 to 15% difference in sales because people come into the newsagent in the morning and they look at the headlines and they grab the headline that attracts them. And so that headline is really important in differentiating your sales each day. And when you're selling millions of newspapers, that's you know millions of revenue that you're dealing with. And so they'll pay you know, two highly paid journalists whose sole job all day is to come up with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of ideas for that front page headline, which might only be three words. Mm -hmm. And you've paid two people, probably £100,000 each salary, to sit there and come up with three words. The person who's written the 400 words beneath it 
is paid less than half of one of their salaries. And yet, it's worthwhile paying those two journalists to bounce ideas off each other and come up with those three words because that can make the difference in millions of pounds worth of sales. So that's a perfect analogy, really. So that's a that's a 10 to 15% sales increase or decrease. Or decrease. If you get the one thing right, that's yeah. kind of like in the newspaper world, is the newspaper 20%. Yeah. If you get that activity right, the 80% is you know you get the results don't yeah. you from it if Quite you like uh, so they're, they're making sure every day the newspaper they don't say where's the headline I'm too busy I'm doing lots of this other stuff yeah. they understand their Pareto principle Quite. don't they the, 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 pro the problem in the sales world of course is that people generally speaking are far too busy to identify exactly what it is yeah. that is that uh, that 1% as you say yeah. they're dashing around doing umpteen calls a day rather than actually taking the time to switch the engine off, get a cup of tea and just reflect on the low number of high impact items that actually matter. It's very interesting, I mentioned, um, I mentioned previously um, having worked for a really great, uh, really great guy who very sadly passed away last week and I remember when I first started working for him I became moved from being a sort of a sales representative to a sort of an account manager, key account manager. And uh, for a one-to-one, -one, he sat down with me. I'd been with him for about a month. So he sat down and he went through my diary. He said, so what are you doing next month? And I'd come out of sales rep mode. Call, do lots of calls, do lots of calls. So I showed him what I was doing. And he said, wow, you're very busy. I said, oh, I am, Philip, very busy. He said, Simon, I'm just very interested. He said, um, when are you going to be doing any thinking? And this was an alien concept that I might not drive, be driving around now. I might actually now need to stop. And, and, and think and I think it's um, Tim Galway the guy who wrote the book The Inner Game of Golf The Inner Game of uh, Work The Inner Game of Skiing a coaching guy who talks about the concept of stop S-T-O-P and he used the analogy of a valley and you're in the bottom of a valley fighting a battle you know the Battle of Warwick in 1742 which is where we are today I've just made that battle up by the way folks don't go looking for it on Google by the way we're not in 1742 either <laughs> no neither are you <laughs> <laughs> Time travelling sales <laughs> chat show, Doctor Doctor Who in the TARDIS. We are in Simon's world. <laughs> I live in my own little world. Um, if you're in the bottom of a valley fighting a battle, the focus of your attention is on day to day, and that's like you know emails, phone calls from customers, too much work to do. And he talks about going up the valley side, which he means stop, step back, think, organise, proceed. So you need to step back, think about what your eighty twenty is, and then organise your activities in line, and then go back down into the battle. In a better, in a better way to better way to fight yeah. it, which is I think is a great illustration from from Tim uh, from Tim. So, any more tips and advice for our listeners on this issue, where a low number of high impact items is really what we're suggesting? Yeah, just don't get caught up in the thick of thin things. I think is um, is the expression I was I heard <coughs> I heard one time. It's, 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 it's back to Graham. Stop doing this. <laughs> Yeah, that's yes. that's what you stop. What you stop doing list, yeah, stop or do doing this. or do a lot less of list. Yeah, do do, do less of. And, but your thinking time. I mean, I've I've got some students now that are due to give me assignment in six weeks' time, and I've told them I don't want you to write anything on this for another four weeks. And they go, but we've got six weeks to do the assignment. I said, yeah, the four weeks is thinking about it, planning it, organize it in your mind, think about what you're going to say, read stuff. Get stuff in your head so you work out the point you want to make in your assignment and then it's easy to write. And it's the same if you're making sales calls. If you sit outside thinking, 
these are the you know hundred things that I can talk to this customer about. So I go in and just rattle them off. Actually, if you sit outside for ten minutes and spend most of that ten minutes thinking about the five things that that customer really needs to know and focus on that and forget the rest, you're more likely to get the sale. Focus on that 20% of stuff that that customer is really interested in. Forget the other 80% of stuff you could tell them. It's not relevant. So bearing in mind we've been rambling on for some time now, what advice would you give our listeners on what they should now do, Graham? I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would advise them to just remember 20% of what we've said. <laughs> That's not a bad suggestion, is it, really? <laughs> I've got a question you can ask a customer to find out the 20% you should focus on. Find out the customer's buying criteria. Mr. or Mrs. Customer, when you are considering a new supplier, what is most important to you? And then shut up and listen to what they say. They'll usually tell you their top buying criteria. Just focus on those, and you yeah. won't be in a bad you won't be in a bad place. I bet that's got to be the best thing anyone said in this whole session, folks. So I'd, I'd concentrate on that as your twenty percent. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be. What we do? What did we say jokingly before? We're going to record another hundred sessions on the Pareto principle, but you only need to listen to twenty of them. Was that absolutely? Yeah. That's it. I wonder why we don't just record the twenty then. But anyway, that's <laughs> just a, just a thought for another time. So thank you, folks. I hope hope this has been a useful investment of your time and we'll deliver the, the return you're looking for. So thank you for listening to this episode from the com. It's been uh, Simon Hazeldean here with Phil Jessen and Graham Jones. Thanks for listening. Good luck and good selling. You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 